Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode seven. This is our final episode for 2019, but as is often the case in surfing, the ending is not the end. There's always another wave, another swell, another spot, another season. And before we get to beyond our ending, we have something very special for the final episode of the 2019 lineup season. Today we're speaking with someone who was an amateur superstar collecting in 11 national titles. She became the subject of industry bidding wars for the next big thing in surfing, and she delivered beyond that expectation with Rookie of the Year honors, 22 championship tour wins, and countless accolades. She's also someone who has just joined the elevated company of four-time world champions after an emotional clinching in Maui, and she's someone who has made a huge decision about her 2020 season. Please enjoy the lineup's conversation with the magnificent Carissa Moore. It's going to be Carissa Moore tucking in, grabbing the rail. Carissa just grinds through before setting up the pit, locked in. Wow, what a way to open up this heat. Carissa Moore, you little legend. <laughs> that was unbelievable. What a beautiful finish for Carissa Moore, that little bit of a rainbow spray in the background. Carissa Moore, your 2019 Whoa! world champion. Carissa Moore, thank you for joining us on the podcast today, and thank you for having us at your beautiful home here in Hawaii. It's like a tropical version of Superman's Fortress of Solitude or <laughs> Adrian Veidt's Karnak in the best possible way. This is a special edition of the lineup. You're the recently crowned four-time world champion, and you reached out to us this past week about going in-depth on a really important decision, maybe the most important decision of your career regarding the 2020 season. So let's get into what we're here to discuss. Yeah, I um, I decided that I'm going to take a year off of competing on the World Championship Tour in 2020. I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, having this opportunity to do some different things that I haven't been able to do, spending a decade on the tour. You know, be a wife, get to travel a little bit and surf some different waves, get better at surfing. I'm hopefully looking to work on a film project if that works out and... You know, it's it's been a really fun journey on the tour. I think for me, just learning a lot about myself the past few years, I realized that like I'm a 100% person. And if I can't give 100%, it really weighs on me. And so for me, this decision was based on just the whole fact that like I really want to have a long career. I want to be able to give 100% every time I paddle out, not only for myself, but for my fans, um, for my sponsors, for WSL. So for me, this is just a press refresh, and hopefully I can come back even stronger in 2021. And it, it sounds like it is a decision about moving forward in a lot of ways. And I think one of the things that not everyone appreciates is just how intense it is to compete against these women on tour. They are the very best in the world. They compete at such a high level. And while it is fun in a lot of ways, it, it is a full-time commitment. Absolutely. I think, you know... A lot of people look at professional surfing and it can seem very glamorous. And it is in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice that goes into it. You know, for me, I look at any world title year. I mean, every year that I, I compete on the championship tour, I feel like I'm giving my best and I'm, I'm working towards a world title. But it's literally an everyday commitment. You know, I wake up every morning figuring out, okay, well, what is it that I need to do today that's going to get me to perform at my best and, and be the best in the world? And so it's like, it's, it's a lot mentally, it's a lot physically. And these girls, they're competing at the highest level. Each one of the girls, each one of my peers, they're giving their very best every day. So uh, it's a lot. 
And it sounds like this isn't a decision that you made, you made recently. When did you, when did you come? I guess a question would be, when did this idea come to you and when did you make the decision that you're going to take 2020 off from CT competition? Yeah, it probably seems like I'm dropping a bomb on everybody, but it is actually something I've been thinking about for about a year and a half now. And it's something I've taken very seriously. And I didn't want to talk about it too soon because I didn't want it to distract from everything that I was doing. But um, for me, I made this decision actually back in 2018, right after JB, when I had probably one of the lowest, it was probably one of the lowest points of my career. I just, I lost in the event. I was just really unhappy with everything that I was doing, not really in love with surfing. And it was that turning point, like, what am I doing? I'm on the verge of wanting to give up. Like, this isn't why I started surfing. This isn't why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, something's got to change. And so I went back to the drawing board. I'm like, okay, what is it going to take for me to give everything, be 100% and give a world title another shot? And and then, you know, be able to, to feel a little bit satisfied. And so it was like, okay, well, let's work, give everything I have to the next year and a half and then give myself a break. No matter what the result was, I think that was that was going to be my decision. Yeah, so you think that if this year didn't pan out with you winning a world title, you would still be looking at 2020 as a year to, to take a breath? Yes, that was the plan. I mean, it would have been a little bit more challenging. It's really nice that, you know, everything fell into place and it worked out as it did because I can comfortably sit back and say like, okay, I really do deserve it. I think that there maybe would have been a little bit of doubt just because that's what I always do. I'm always asking those kinds of questions and there's always those thoughts in my head. But I knew that for myself and for my career and my happiness that a break was, you know, well well needed. Do you think that the decision 18 months in advance was liberating in a way, knowing that, well, 99% sure that 2020 I'm going to take a pause. Do you feel like that kind of focused you in on performing in 2019? Absolutely. I think for sure knowing that like, okay, I'm not going to just go into another year and have to do it all over again and have those same expectations, knowing that like I was going to have this year to kind of do what I wanted to take the power back and do some different things like that was really exciting for me. I think it gave me a bit of like that extra motivation to be like, okay, well, this is it. This is this is my year to give everything that I have. And then I can kind of check out for a minute and, um, you know, just not be so competitive. But also for me, like this next year doesn't look like sitting on the couch and eating potato chips. Like there's just so many other things that I want to invest my time in and kind of explore. So I'm looking forward to that. Did you share this decision with anyone else over the course (laughs) of the last 18 months? Well, um, it was actually, I kept it really tight. I've kept it with my dad and Luke and Um, It's only been like the past week, week and a half that I've started to like share it with my sponsors and the WSL and then the people that really mean a lot to me. So it's been it's been slow. I've I've kind of been getting it out slowly. How have people responded so far, even in those small circles? Well, I have to admit, I was really nervous because it's a huge decision. I've been competing for a decade on the championship tour, and my competitive career has extended beyond that from a really young age. And so this is like the first time that I'm choosing to do something completely different. Uh, It's a bit bold. It's a bit scary. I wasn't sure what everyone was going to think. I just kept telling myself, hey, like this decision's for me first and foremost, and I hope that everyone supports it. The people that really love me get it. And I've been so fortunate that it's been a really positive response from sponsors. The WSL has been super supportive and understanding. Yeah, I couldn't ask for, you know, better support. In addition to what you outlined you'd like to do in in 2020, you have, in addition to everything else you've achieved in 2019, qualified for the 2020 Olympic Games. Um, Will you be competing in Japan? I will be competing in Japan. 
I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. I'm, I'm so honored to have qualified for the Olympics and to be representing USA, specifically Hawaii. What a unique and beautiful opportunity to be a part of. So I, w- I will be competing in the Olympics. And I mean, not that this was planned out, but just <laughs> sometimes the universe intervenes. You um, stepping away from the tour in 2020 opens up a spot for Amuro Suzuki, and she'll be the first uh, Japanese woman ever to compete on the championship tour in the same year that surfing is in the Olympics for the first time and in Japan. So so there's quite a bit of symmetry there. I know. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, as you know, on the flip side of me taking a break, there's someone that is going to be standing for so much more. Like the first Japanese woman on competing on the championship tour. Like I'm so excited to watch her represent her country, you know, to inspire all of her people that like you can strive to be the best and be part of the best. And I haven't actually met her personally, but I'm looking forward to having a chat with her and just wishing her congratulations and best of luck. It'll be fun watching her with the best in the world. Yeah, it's interesting because it kind of circles another point, which is sort of motivation in a lot of ways and you know we talk to surfers every year and most of them not all of them but most of them it's like well what's your goal for the year it's all want to win the world title it's okay well why right and very few have an answer yeah you know and and i and i'm curious to understand your perspective on that if the why for you between when you won your first world title and now has changed like what is the motivation like what does winning a world title afford carissa more to do right Well, I think my why has changed for each one. And I think also just circling back to the idea that like I've been on the tour for 10 years, I'm a 100% person. And I think for me, when I haven't really been able to define that why, and that's when you've seen me not at the top or where I have had those few years where I've been kind of, I don't know, a little wishy-washy or not doing my best. Um, So that why is so important for me to define. This last year for me was... I just, there was a lot of personal reasons. I I wanted to, for me, I wanted to turn things around. Um, I think I was really struggling. So I wanted to show myself that I could turn things around. I wanted to do it differently than I've ever done it before. And most of my world title campaigns have been really up and down and it's been a roller coaster of emotions. So I was like, this one, I'm going to go into it level-headed. I want to be resilient. I want to enjoy every moment, win or lose. I want to be able to process it without freaking myself out. And, and you know, I think for me, I also carried with me throughout this tour was the idea that, like, it's I wanted to share my love with everybody and have it be bigger than just this contest or this world title. I wanted it to be about um, hopefully making a difference every step of the way. And that was really motivating to me. So, so the 20... 20- years all blur together after all. the 2019 <laughs> world title for you in a lot of ways was sort of level setting some of the struggles that you said you've had and um, can you talk about those at all like in terms of what those were that you wanted to course correct by putting in a really solid year well i think the biggest one was just the idea of like i said all my other world title campaigns and and almost up until that point on tour has been a roller coaster of emotions i think that's maybe why i was feeling a bit of burnout is because i was just beating myself up over results and stuff and so for me to almost self correct just the thought process like hey the result is super important but each event i had personal goals whether that was just to make someone smile at the beach or um to list three things that i was grateful for every day or to get one really good wave in the first round. I don't know. It was just, there was different kind of personal goals that I set for myself at every event. And I saw a lot of happiness and success from that. 
Yeah, it seems like that's a really effective way about sort of focusing on the moment, right? As opposed to what you can look at the long arc of the season and stress yourself out in a lot of ways. And you said before that success, you define success for you is in a particular way is, is a success for you, the world title every year, as opposed to maybe some surfers just happy to requalify. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, that, that goes along with like what my goals were for this year. And that was a bit different than the rest of the years is I think for so long, I've kind of looked at success a certain way and that was the result. And to be able to take my power back and be like, okay, well, what does success look like? And it's like, did I have a good time at these events? Did I perform at my best? Did I surf free? Because for me, like, my biggest challenge is being able to surf how I train every day in, in competition. And so if I'm able to check those boxes at the end of the day and I, maybe I don't get the result, then I can still go home happy and process that in a positive way. I think it's surfing is arguably like the most dynamic sport on the planet. There's so many variables outside of your control. I like I like to think that is the most consistently, most passionately watched, subjectively scored <laughs> sport on the planet, right? So the judges cop all sorts of grief all the time. But then you have the, the waves and the conditions and everything. So I, I do think that's kind of right because assigning your personal value to a result that you cannot control everything around that result is a dangerous prospect in a lot of ways. For sure. I think, you know, I, I, I actually started working with a sports psych this year. So that was a huge thing that I did different. I haven't ever done that before. And I, I saw huge benefits to it. I think I'm going to continue with, with this. But just being able to just process things a little bit better and look at things from a different perspective than I haven't in the past is, has really helped. Was there any reason why you hadn't worked with a sports psych in the past? Or was it just you just felt like now was time? Yeah, I mean, my dad has, he's been, my my dad's been my coach since I was little and still is to this day. Um, and he has had some great advice, you know, great sports psych advice and has done really well for me up until this point. And then I think just looking at the last three years, I was like, okay, well, if I'm really struggling with this mental piece, then let's just see if if a sports psych could, could add something to this team until my whole game and it, and it did. What were some of the key things that they sort of it, it, yeah, don't <laughs> don't share all the secrets, but no. what were some of the key things that they got you to do that changed things up for you? Well, I think for every person, I mean, every person is motivated a little differently and works a little bit differently. I think for me, being able to like let go and find that inner peace really allowed for me to compete better, to be able to like listen to my intuition and make decisions better out in the water. And then also when you're free, your body is more free. So um, all of that. And then he's really helped me make goals, small goals, big goals, and then also stay really present. He also helped me just really like flush out everything. I think it's really important. We all have someone to talk to and get all that stuff out there. I mean, there's like so many things hitting you every day and it's just nice to have someone to process it with. And I think that's changing. I think, I think for years there's like been a stigma around psychology in any form or like therapy or anything. But the more you talk to people, the more you realize, especially people performing at the high levels of whatever their discipline is even sort of in business like everyone needs an outlet to process things through and I think it's really healthy when people are able to share about it because it kind of destigmatizes it for a lot of people out there because anyone can use it it doesn't matter if you're competing for world titles or or doing anything absolutely absolutely I mean I, it does sound also like what we're kind of talking about and you know similar to the this is more than a sport is the concept of identity and how especially for for people in your position there isn't a whole lot of um, segmentation or compartmentalization between the personal and the professional you know your personal life impacts your professional life and vice versa and and it does for virtually everyone in this space and you know what we talked about with looking at your you know self-assessment based on results and then getting married 
trade and all these changes happening in your life, it really feels like 2019 for you is about crystallizing an identity in a lot of ways and finding space to to do the job and then to have a personal life. Does that sound accurate? Have you have you have you do you feel like you're getting better? I'm probably projecting here because it's something I try to do as well. No, well, I really appreciate that, Dave. I think that's really accurate on a lot of levels. Um, I felt like I did a really I feel like I did a better job of balancing, you know, my professional life and my home life and being able to do the job, but then also let go of it and then be a good wife and a good daughter when I came home. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's all about balance for sure. And I think that contributes to the just being present, right, where you're not trying to be a good wife, but you're thinking about a result or you're trying to compete against Steph Gilmore and you're thinking about, you know, dad or being a daughter or something, you know, like I think it's, it, and I think it's even harder these days because of social media, there's just constant pull in every direction. And I think that kind of that concept of presence just seems to be the people that can execute that well seem to just be in a much better place. Yeah, like I said, it, there's a lot of stuff going on. So if you can make it a little bit more simple, that helps. Well, it's certainly been effective. I mean, you now sit, as we said, in that rarefied atmosphere um, as only the eighth person ever to win four world titles. And, and you know, you're now alongside Mark Richards and Kelly Slater and Frida Zamba, and Wendy Boyta, Lisa Anderson, Lane Beachley, Steph Gilmore. Like that is a tiny, tiny club. You know, does, how does that make you feel from like an accomplishment standpoint? Wow. Um, no, I am so honored, so flattered to be a part of that group of, of people. It was really cool. WSL put together like this congratulatory um, video piece of from all of these wonderful, amazing, historic people. And I was just taken back. I was like, wow, like uh, it meant so much. It meant so much to hear their words. And I mean, I've looked up to many of them in my whole career. So it, it means a lot to be there. Accomplishments like that, do you feel like, and, and maybe it's not something that you think about all the time, but in terms of a legacy or goals, like once you achieve something like that, do you feel like it, you're able to exhale a little bit? Do you put pressure on yourself to kind of build, you know, a, an Olympus in, in a lot of sense of, of Carissa Moore's accomplishments? No, I think maybe if, if you can get anything from this conversation, it isn't about results for me. I mean, it's awesome. Four world titles, oh my gosh, it's a dream come true. And it's like, I honestly, when I was little, I didn't think of how many world titles. I definitely dreamed of that one, but I didn't think of how many. And I don't think I'll ever win as many as Steph or as many as Lane. I don't know, who knows? But um, I'm really grateful for how many I've gotten. I think, you know, the titles and the, the trophies and the accolades, those things are, they come and they go. Like not, I mean, they'll always be there, but mm. like, it's crazy. I mean, when the season starts up again, the 2020 season starts up again, I mean, this title has already come and gone. It's time for an, uh, the race for another one, you know? So I just, I don't know. I, I really appreciate the results. They're definitely validating in so many ways, but I think it's the way that you make people feel like it's the way that the interactions you have, those are the lasting things. And those are the things that I put a, on high importance for me. Unpacking this decision a little bit, you know, this is a conversation that comes up a lot in, you know, something that people are fond of saying is, you know, what do professional surfers do on their day off? And it's like, they go surf because surfing is much more than just a sport and it's so fun. It is a bit of a double-edged sword if you're a professional surfer though, because it becomes very hard to take a break or say no, because you know whether it's training to surf or to surf an event or to go on a free surf trip or to do something for your sponsors, it's sort of this endless feedback loop that, I mean, you said you've been on tour for 10 years, but you've been in the media spotlight for much longer than that. Yeah. Um... No, you're so right, Dave. Like, 
there's just a lot of different things that go along with being a professional surfer. And I mean, I really enjoy it. I enjoy it all. It was funny because I went on a walk with my husband this morning and I'm like, babe, you just got to make sure that this year, 2020, we're not just like taking a, a break from the tour and just doing a bunch of like work stuff. Like I don't want to just be doing work. Like I want to actually go and surf and get better at surfing and do all these things that I really want to do. So just please help me make sure we balance all of that, you know? So um, I'm sure there'll be a good amount of different kinds of sponsor obligations and of course, Olympic obligations and maybe some really fun WSL partnerships. You said you want to get better at surfing. And I know it, that is maybe another thing in surfing that's so special is is people say you can never, ever master it. I think Kelly said that, you know, that's why it's so interesting. It's you can keep getting older and, you know, the surf could be good. It could be bad. You can always every day is the opportunity to get your best wave and to do something you never did before. But with that in mind, you are a four time world champion. What parts of your surfing do you think you need to get better? For me, well, definitely barrel riding. I think surfing like different kinds of waves and just continuing to learn how to adapt. Um, I want to continue to get more progressive. I think, you know, just watching what my peers are doing and figuring out how I can push myself and be better and flow better and just add a little bit of flair to turns that, you know, hasn't been done. So I feel like there's just, just reading the ocean. I can learn so much more about that. And, you know, in a year, with our season that starts in April or March, that only really allows for one trip. For me, at least, I usually am only allowed like one trip to go someplace that I want to go and push myself outside my comfort zone and like learn and film. And then the rest of those, I'm preparing for for the season. So I think this will really open up some time to do other stuff. Do you, um, over the last 10 years, do you ever experiment with like equipment? Do you ever ride different equipment? I mean, because I do think that's something interesting that that I found being in and around the CT is, you know, when you're a fan, you might see someone like in an advertisement riding like a fish or doing that. But then once you next to a lot of these CT surfers, men and women, it's, you know, they ride their high performance Ferrari board every day regardless of the conditions. And it's not that that takes the fun out of it, but it does really narrow your experience of it day in and day out. Yeah, well, like I said, we only have a few months for our off season. And and during that off season, I have one trip to go and kind of experiment and do something different. And then the rest of those months, I'm preparing for, for the tour. And, you know, I don't play around much with board design. I pretty much have found the one that works. And then I work with Matt and adjust things very slightly, but pretty much like we don't have enough time to really like play around with different things. Um, before the season starts. So I'm looking forward to, I mean, the only thing I've been riding since I've been home is my MR Twin and my new Rocket by Matt. So it's been really fun. That's really cool. And I do think it's something that when you do see, I remember this with Mick Fanning for years and years, and maybe it was something unfortunate because of the shark attack, but I do remember early sessions after the shark attack of him riding just non-thruster boards, like, you know, little sort of stubby quads. And I was like, this is so cool because you have someone of such a high proficiency, you know, technically in terms of surfing, riding a different board and by extension drawing different lines. And it, it really looks like it opens people surfing up. Have you found that in your own experience so far, even though that's it's very new? Um, <laughs> it is very new. Um, no, it's like there's something really exciting about getting to the beach and like not knowing what the board's going to do or how I'm going to ride it and just kind of figuring it out. It's, it's really fun. I want to get back to the I guess the perception that you know you guys live these idealized lives in a lot of ways and a story I'll tell is um, I worked in a surf shop in high school and I remember just grinding away like unpacking boxes and like tagging merchandise and stuff like that and then I remember reading a magazine uh, probably when I was supposed to be working of an interview with Mike Lossness who was about the same age I'm 36 he was probably around the same age 
And he was traveling for rib curl at the time. And he was not complaining, but just pointing out like what a grind it was to be in Peru or in this or in that. And I remember sitting in the surf shop and thinking like, oh my God, like if I got paid to travel, to do anything in surfing, I would never, ever complain. The flip side of that being, you know, I've been in this job for 14 years and we are very, very fortunate to do what we do, but it is a grind. Like there is a lot of travel. It is, it's a little bit grass is always greener, you know? And I think probably the perception that people have of certainly pro surfers, but people even in and around the tour is that they have this great life, but it's, it's not always easy. No. And, and on like, just continuing off of that thought, like I, I do want to say like, I so appreciate my life, my lifestyle, everything. Like I am so fortunate. I love being able to do something that I love every day. I love being able to get up and, and work towards something and have goals. I'm so grateful for the tour. Um, you know, there were definitely a few years there that, you know, I was probably more on the negative side and not looking at all the wonderful things that I've been blessed with. And this year was so much fun. Like I enjoyed every stop. I felt so present. I mean, as stressful and as long as it was and as frustrating as it could be at times, it was so rewarding and I really enjoyed it. And I know how fortunate I am to be living this life. And it is a really big decision to be stepping away from it because I know that there are so many people in this world who would trade spots with me in in a millisecond. So yeah, there's no part of me that doesn't realize how fortunate I am. But with that in mind, I think what you're also pointing out is that while you are 100% appreciative, you want to be able to do this for a long time. You want to be able to, as you put it, give 100% against the best surfers on the planet. And, you know, to do that, you've made a very deliberate decision to be like, I need to take a breath so I can come back at my best. Exactly. Like we talked about before, this decision isn't like the end. This is more just like, look at this, this future I have. Where do I want to see it? How do I want to compete? What do I want to give? What do I want to leave behind? And for me, 100% is what I want to give. I want to really enjoy what I'm doing. And I can see myself doing it for a good amount of time into my 30s. And, and, that, and that's the hope. I want to go back to the point about you've been on tour for 10 years, but as we said, you've been in the surfing world spotlight for a long, long time. Do you remember the first time you were in a magazine? Like what age, what were the circumstances? <laughs> well, I started surfing when I was five years old. My dad pushed me into my first wave at Waikiki. And in the beginning, it was just something that I really enjoyed doing with him. You know, there was no grand scheme of like winning world titles or being on the world championship tour at that age, but it was just purely fun. Um, it wasn't until I was like 10 years old, 12 years old around that time that I really felt like surfing was my passion and I wanted to see how far I could go with it. And I think it was really great that I had my dad who believed in me more than I believed in myself at times. And he definitely pushed me and got me different sponsorships and got me in the contests and in the magazines and stuff. So it was a it was a young age that we kind of, the journey started full on. <laughs> and I mean, we see this like not only in other sports, but like sport and entertainment, you know, and I think surfing in particular, it's the community obsessed with the cult of youth, right? In a lot of ways. And, um, you know, young talent potential is is really elevated quickly. And, and that, at least from the outside, that that seemed like it was your experience for sure, because people love the idea of this young Hawaiian woman who had so much talent and, and, and obviously continues to. Do you think that exposure at that age, were there any drawbacks to that for you personally? Mm. Not, not really. I, um, it was all, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I definitely, I probably missed out on a few social things growing up, but it made for the group of friends that I have even more quality and even stronger than I could have ever imagined. So I'm really grateful for the whole journey. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think what more I'm, what more I'm talking about is like everyone kind of has to grow up as a teenager, early 20s, or in some of our cases, our 30s, we're still figuring it out. But like most of us get the benefit of doing that just quietly, like in our own lives, like we're not public figures. And I mean, you you seem to have navigated that really, really well, um, where a lot of people maybe haven't. But you've also taken some some pretty firm stands on things, too. And I think that's inspired a lot of people. Well, thanks, Dave. You know, I don't think we ever figured out. <laughs> like you said, I think we're always going to continue to like learn and grow as humans. I think, you know, growing up in the spotlight, it forces you to figure things out maybe a little bit faster than the normal person. I think, you know, my last three years where I've kind of struggled on tour a little bit to my standards, mm. I think reflect a little bit of the personal struggles I was going through. You know, you you get to a point, I, at least I got to a point where I was like, okay, wait, what? What really makes me happy? What does success look like for me and not everyone else? Um, what is my purpose? Like, is it just surfing contests or is it just surfing? Like, who am I? Mm. And I got married. There was just a lot of questions that kind of came about. And I was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was a tricky few years, but I'm super thankful that I had that time to, like, work through everything and kind of settle into myself. I feel like this year I've really, like, gained a different kind of confidence. Um, I'm really happy with where my life is and the relationships that I have. It sounds like it goes back to kind of the the ultimate purpose is, is not just to win, but for you in a lot of ways, it is provided you a space to kind of reset your personal relationships or your personal sort of um, life path. It's allowed you to create your Sea Stars Foundation. So they kind of become a means to an end for these things that are really fulfilling you in a lot of ways. Does that sound right? Absolutely. I am so grateful for the platform that surfing has given me to to reach more people and to hopefully make a positive impact. Like I'm I got to start a foundation um, last year called More Aloha and using surfing as a platform to empower the next generation of females to chase their dreams, to live authentically and to live with love. Like, how cool is that? Like, I just if I can inspire one girl to do those things, that would that's great. And can you talk a little bit about the the Sea Stars program as well? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so the Sea Stars program is one of the programs of More Aloha. And um, right now we have four girls um, on Oahu that my dad mentors or, or coaches. And then I'm just the mentor who comes and surfs with them. And we just hang out. The <laughs> just, just the mentor. But it was cool. 2019 was like the first year that we kind of did a few different events. Um, I had a two day and night camp for girls that were you know, that are intermediate to expert level in surfing. And then I did a beginner day. And then right now I'm actually hosting a global exchange. So we're hosting four girls from Fiji, Tahiti, New Zealand, and Australia. And they're hanging out with the Sea Stars. So I, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's been really rewarding, really fun. I'm excited to expand and think of new ways to, to do stuff. That's so cool. You know, the other thing you touched on very early in this is the support you've had from your sponsors. I mean, over the course of your career, obviously, but even through this decision process. And because, as we discussed, you were targeted as like a superstar from a very young age, you've been the subject of bidding wars and like a ton of industry intrigue around that. And you've, it, at least from the outside, it seems like you've landed in an excellent place with the people who support you. 
Oh my gosh, I wouldn't be where I am today without the family of sponsors that have supported me from a, a really young age. Specifically Red Bull and Hurley and Matt Violas, like they have been there from the beginning of my career on the on the championship tour and they have never faltered in their unconditional love and support. And the best part about those companies and the people that I get to work with there is they've always been supportive of my dreams. Like, Carissa, what do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? Like, how can we help you? you get there. And it's never been like, you have to do this. You have to get a world title, you know? And I think being able to have that space to do what I I want and then them just supporting that has really allowed me to flourish. And all three of them, I mean, everyone is in the surfing space, but they're all so different. And it feels like they they harmonize really well in terms of how they work with you on different projects, et cetera. And you know, how would you how would you kind of characterize the relationship with each of them and the projects you work on, whether it's with Red Bull or Hurley or or Mayhem? Gosh, well, so Red Bull, I mean, they have so many unique resources and they are definitely that company that like looks at things outside of the box. It's like, okay, well, if you want to learn how to do airs, should we go to the wave pool? Should we get a specific air coach? Should we do some trampoline training? Like they have like so many different ways to look at getting that goal. And then you have Hurley who they're awesome. They've been in in the industry for so long and they make incredible product and, and just having the opportunity to be involved in, in the product, um, making of the product and giving my my different opinions and stuff has has been so special and then you know you i work with matt who um we have a great back and forth relationship and he just gives everything to his craft and you know when you have a board that is just an extension of yourself um i mean i'm pretty lucky he makes surfing just that much more fun yeah and i mean i i think that it's the relationships are reciprocal, right? Because Red Bull is able to take a talent like you and all your experience and insight and then get to apply that to other spaces in their organization. And as you said with Hurley, like they're literally working with the best surfer on the planet in developing product for people to make their lives better in a lot of ways. And and with Matt as well, like you've been working with him for a number of years. And I know for a fact, he takes all that feedback back in and he puts that back into boards that then go out to Kaloha and Dino and everyone else. All those insights kind of really sort of are symbiotic in a lot of ways, those relationships. Yeah. No, it's it's been a really fun I, – I mean, I love every one of the people that work at all of those places. I mean, I look at them like family, and I so appreciate everything that they've done for me. It often is like uh, we talk about like the idea of family and extended family and community support when it comes to achieving – great things. And you've touched on it a number of times already. You, you have an incredible support system with your husband and your dad. And, you know, can, can you tell us a bit more about that and just your family and, and growing up with them and, and where you guys are at today? Yeah. So, well, we're doing this podcast from my kitchen. So it's, it's pretty cool because my dad lives within shouting distance. So it's pretty much me, Luke, and my dad. <laughs> Um, Luke would probably like a little more space at times now, but, um, you know, we're a great team and I'm so thankful that my dad has been like so accepting and welcoming of Luke has been from when we started dating. I think he realized that Luke was someone special, you know, he's always been unconditional and selfless with me and he's been just 100% supportive of my journey. Like, you know, he's definitely put some of his life on hold to support my dreams and traveling and being on the road with me and making sure I'm happy. It's been, actually, I'm celebrating my second wedding anniversary tomorrow. And I was just reminiscing with Luke 
that I just feel like we really became a team and a unit this year. And it's been such, it's been a little bit of like a tricky transition because I, my dad has been my number one man and supporter in my life. And when we got married, I think there was definitely me holding on to dad a bit more and, and definitely holding on to Luke, but I wasn't really ready to let go. And I haven't let go of dad. I mean, he's always going to be there and we'll always have this special connection, but I definitely feel like it's more Luke and me and and dad will dad is just he's he's amazing I'm so thankful for him and, and being able to balance those those relationships he's made it seamless that seems like it that goes back to the identity point in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah <laughs> transitioning and um I mean that's great to hear that your dad and your husband like each other that's that's great news um but as, as a I'm a father of twins one a boy and a girl and um yeah I don't know it it, it would be so hard to let go yeah um, so he mu- Luke must be a pretty good guy. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. They're both awesome. I'm glad that I can have them both really close. And your sister Kayla? My sister Kayla, she is actually working for the WSL in Santa Monica. You guys have stolen her from me. Oh, no, but she comes home for Christmas in a few days, and she lives downstairs, and she's awesome. She's been my surfing buddy since we were, you know, really, really little and one of my best friends. And we, I feel like we have a great relationship. And your mom? My mom. My mom lives close by. She lives like 15, 20 minutes away. It's awesome because where I live in town, I'm pretty close to all of my family. My mom and I have actually had a a challenging relationship. And I'm not going to say no relationship is ever perfect. You know, yeah, I it's tricky. You know, um, I definitely am really thankful for the relationship we've had because I believe that it has made me the person I am and the fighter that I am. I think a lot of my insecurities maybe stem from our relationship. I think it's, um, I am really grateful for for her presence in my life and all the lessons she's taught me directly or indirectly. So, yeah. And, um, you know, we've talked about it before. You guys had a hard beginning. Um, has that transitioned as you've gotten older? Do you think your relationship's improved? I think we have improved. I think there is an understanding of who we both are and we both respect each other and just who we are in those ways. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's imperfect. Well, I think that's a that that is almost the most important part of anyone's situation, right? Isn't that's not really anyone, despite how polished they may seem, right, from the outside, come from a perfect situation. You know, and I think that's that's a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I think, yeah, everyone has their story. Everyone has their different challenges that they have to overcome. And I definitely think that if you're able to channel it in the right way, it really brings you into the person that you're supposed to be. And it, even just from this conversation, it sounds like the way you've channeled that has been into, again, not perfect at all times by your own admission, but you know, you, you're, you're pushing back and you're putting the things in place that need to be in place for your own well-being. And that speaks to not only incredible intellect and maturity, but you know, you're really rallying around purpose and longevity and the impact you want to make with your own career and life. Definitely. Well, well thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. 2020, you are going to be an Olympian. How does training for the Olympics differ from training for the CT? Or does it? I don't know. I mean, this has never really been done before. We This is the first ever Olympics that, that um, surfing will be a part of. We're kind of the guinea pigs. And uh, I don't really know. I mean, I hope, I hope I'll get to do a couple trips to Japan and just surf the Olympic venue. I've never even surfed there before. I mean, the way that I've prepared for 
the championship tour has been successful. So I'll definitely probably take a lot of how I prepare for, for that into how I prepare for the Olympics. And I'll probably take a little bit of the same approach that I had this year in the fact that like, I mean, I definitely want to give everything I have to winning a gold medal, but at the same time, it's about enjoying the whole thing, the games, the opening ceremony, going to check out the village, just being a part of the experience. I'm really looking forward to that. Again, going back to the dynamic nature of surfing, specifically in, as you put it, a guinea big kind of experiment like the Olympics, it feels like the insight you gained this year of not tying everything to results in the Olympic case, being a singular opportunity <laughs> result is probably a good way to approach it, right? Yes, I hope so. I know it's it's honestly too being um, stepping away from competing on the championship tour it, in a weird way. It puts a bit of pressure for me for the Olympics because that's the one event that I'm gonna compete in. But definitely gonna spend some time with my sports psych, just wrapping my head around <laughs> that and just just going into it with a really good, um, positive, peaceful approach. <laughs> so when we come back and do the um, second Carissa more lineup podcast in 12 months time looking back at 2020 what is the ideal version in your head right now of what happened in 2020 what's your mindset like and, and how are you approaching 2021 gosh well 12 months from now I hope I'm looking back at 2020 and I just had the best time ever I hope I really enjoyed every moment I got to do all the things that I wanted to do I hope I got to film and travel and get better at surfing and hopefully looking back and smiling with a gold medal, I hope, who knows. I know I will be hungry to be back on the tour in 2021. I'm already asking that question, like, what does this year look like? Am I gonna be watching every event? Am I gonna not watch the events? Um, it's gonna be hard watching other girls win. Like, who's gonna win the title? Someone's gonna win the title, it's not gonna be me. And yeah, I know, I know that in 12 months time, I'm going to be excited and rejuvenated and hungry, hungrier than ever. In the event that you do watch the webcasts, <laughs> who amongst your peers are you going to be focusing on? Who who on tour right now interests you? And you can say they all do. That's fine. Yeah. But who in particular are you like, this person coming up is interesting or this person reinventing their surfing is interesting? Who who do stands out to Chris more? Yeah. So if... I mean, I will, I will watch the webcast. I will be watching a few events for sure. And it'll be really interesting just looking from the outside in for, for the first time ever, because I've always been in it. I've never been out of it. So I've, it'll be interesting to watch like just how the girls compete, how they handle different conditions, what it actually looks like just watching from, from a screen. I'm looking forward to seeing how Amuro handles, her, handles herself on her first year. Always, always love watching Steph surf. Um, looking forward to Tyler's like full season return and how she, you know, handles herself. Lakey Peterson coming back from her 2019 and 2018 world title campaigns. She's surfing so well. It's just how she handles these last two years, whether, you know, I'm just excited to see what she does. She, and then, she had a hard day in Maui. Gosh, I, I know. And I, I feel for Lakey. I love Lakey personally as a friend. We've gotten to spend some time together just even with our connection with Hurley, it's brought us together even closer. Sure, so yeah. she's an amazing human being. She's really fun. And it was hard for me to see her to bow out and lose her, especially lose her Olympic spot. Because, I mean, it's crazy. Starting this season, I was like, okay, this is a very real possibility. It could be one, two, three in the world, and the third in the world may not go to the Olympics. We, I mean, just to interject too, like we were talking about that on the men's side too, just with the Brazilians. Right. Like it even... You could look across the entire field of surfers and 
you can say Gabriel, Italo, and Felipe, just based on the conditions in Chiba, are odds-on favorites to win the gold medal, and one of them's not even going. Right. It's crazy. It's mind-blowing. I know. I, I just, I really look up to Lakey. Like, I looked at her 2019 season very closely. I mean, we were in the in the race together, and she did not have the best start, but man, did she fight. She was resilient. She gave every event everything she had, and I definitely felt like she was ready for Maui. You know, she was there 10 days beforehand and trained, and she had all the, the things that she needed to have aligned to do her best. So it was heartbreaking for me to see her go down. I think the thing about Lakey that is, if you can pull the positive out of that, is that, you know, you can look across men's and women's surfers and, you know, the surfers that come really close to the world title and miss out, usually the next year there's a significant regression because as you can imagine, it takes so much out of you to come close and not get it. It's the same for qualification. I think surfers on the QS can come close and then have an on off year. I think Lakey's power is what you said. She is a fighter and she's tenacious. And so even like 2018, so in 2019, after coming so close in 2018, it would have been understandable if she took a step back, but she didn't. You know, right. so I, I think it's it bodes well for her to kind of keep pushing in 2020. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to see how she handles everything. And then of course um, Caroline Marks. I mean, she finished second in the world this year. And I think what's interesting about Caroline is, is this her going to be her third year on tour? She's fresh. You know, she's a grom in a lot of ways, but very mature. And her surfing is very mature and her contest strategy is very mature. So I just, I'm interested to see how having a fresh approach will combat, you know, the, the veterans. So it'll be really interesting. Really, really interesting. And we're going to push this question a little further. Um, so that's next year. In five years' time, ten years' time, do you see anything different? Like, what, what do you think? What do you think your future roadmap looks like? My future, just in in in, in, in life, in life, and in surfing. Um, well, surfing will always be a part of my life. Like we've said, it's a lifestyle, and it makes me happy. Um, so I will always be surfing, whether that's just, you know, for fun or competitively. Um, I don't know if competitively I'll be doing it as long as Kelly or, or like, Kelly is a special breed. I, I don't think I'm going to be that competitive for that long, but I definitely know, or I think I will have enough in me to at least give it five more years of my very best on the world championship tour. And then of course, as a woman, I'd love to be a mom and start a family. And I'm, my husband definitely would love kids at some point. <laughs> So, um, and it would be really cool to be able to do the tour with, with our kids as a family. I mean, I think that's, a, I mean, one of the unfortunate things is as, as a woman, it takes so much time to, you know, go through being pregnant and having a kid and then recovering from that. And for the guys on the guys tour, you, you can, you see so many of them um, married with kids and traveling with their families because it doesn't actually take them out. So um, it'd be cool to show everybody what's possible. Is, is that, I'm going to ask a question, is that a, a, an immediate no. goal? No. Okay. No, no, I figured I would have a lot of the uh, a lot of those questions. Well, now I, you won't because you've answered it. So. <laughs> yes. Um, no, no planning for kids quite yet. Okay. Yeah. Before we go, we're going to do the lightning round. Okay. So this is 10 questions. Awesome. You answer them as fast as you can. Okay. <laughs> If you can only surf one board setup for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonzer, or finless, what do you choose? Thruster. Coffee or tea? Tea, please. Burrito or pizza? Pizza. Last book you read? Uh, the Great Alone. Best surf film ever? <sighs> Best surf film ever? Uh, Kelly Slater in black and white is just my favorite. 
one wave you never have to go back to? Huntington Beach? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but not really. <laughs> Only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life. Ooh, um, maybe Diamond Head or Kualos on Wahoo's Outshore. Best person to share a lineup with? My husband or my sister or my dad. Worst person to share a lineup with? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. I can't say. <laughs> they probably know who they are. <laughs> Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by. I will next achieve the state of happiness by having lunch with my husband today. Carissa Moore, this is a big decision that you've made. It sounds like it's a mature and insightful and ultimately the right decision. And you've achieved so much already and you've inspired so many people already. So I hope this provides a little more insight into who you are as a person and that decision. And we really look forward to seeing what you do in 2020 and beyond. Thank you so much, Dave, um, for giving me the platform to, to share my story. And um, just want to say a huge thank you to all the fans for um, listening, for supporting and understanding. Thank you. So, wow, that's it. That's it for the lineup in 2019. And we unquestionably finished with a bang thanks to the four-time world champ. And appropriately, as we highlighted in the upfront, the ending is not the end. We'll see Carissa in 2020 outside of CT competition, and we'll see where we see her after that. A huge thank you to everyone who has listened and supported us so far, as well as to all our guests, Peter Townen, Coco Ho, Debbie Beecham, Felipe Toledo, Dan Godowskis, Steph Gilmore, and Carissa Moore. If you haven't done so already, please download, listen, and subscribe to the lineup wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the WSL Pure podcast, One Ocean. There are some excellent episodes in there. A huge thank you to everyone that has worked on the lineup on our side. Ryan Fawcett, Ryan Bucci, Cody Mindling, Eric Logan, and everyone at the World Surf League and in the surfing world that has supported it. We're taking next week off, but the lineup will be back in 2020. First episode dropping Friday, January 3rd. Until then, I hope you have a safe holiday, get some waves, get some rest, spend time with family and friends, and we'll see you in the new year.